podcast. Another week of podcasting, of talking, of conversing. Chatting. You made it. Chatting. Communicating. Communicating. How many words can we come up with for Discussing. talking? Discussing. Discussing. Speaking to one another. Yeah, well, that was multiple words. That See, that's I, where it fell apart, which is good uh, because whoever's listening to this right now is going, I don't really want to listen to 10 minutes of them trying to figure out words for talking. So I could uh, try. Yeah, well, I mean, we could try. But uh, yeah, so welcome to the High Tech Podcast, where we talk about deep topics. Like, how can you talk about talking? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you're joining. Yeah, uh, I'm Josh. Welcome and joined by the wonderful Will Illingworth over here. Wonderful Will. Just as deep as I do about talking. This is going to be a thing now. Um, <laughs> I'm run with it. Um, yeah, High Tech Podcast. We're talking about a lot of fun things this week. Um, but Will, why don't you, uh, why don't you let them know what do we, let's start the actual conversations. Uh, oh, the actual conversation, the actual discussion. Yeah. Let's get to the, the actual, actual discussion. Talk. Let's not beat around the bush this time. Let's just straight let's, to it. Let's just jump in. Nobody cares what we think about talking or about TV. So, 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 so as we, so are you done? So as we try to do, <laughs> we've, we've linked our conversation this week to the app we're going to get to and, and keep the uh, kind of those ideas in mind. But one of those big ticket items in education is assessment. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a cash cow, right? You got so many things in assessment trying to handle uh, browsers, lockdown browsers, proctoring, all that. But then just, you know, quizzes, right? Quiz, quiz tools, quizzes, Kahoot. Uh, you can't, you know, your, your learning management system, whatever it is, got a quiz tool. Um, that's kind of already thinking digital. Like before all that, paper. I remember taking, you know, blue book assessments and, and you know, scantrons, right? Uh, those assessments, of course, the goal is just to learn what the students have learned. We want to know where they are, what might they need some backfill on, how well are they doing, are they going to pass the class, right? Some basics on assessment. But um, traditionally, we separate assessment up into two categories. There's formative assessment and there's summative assessment. Formative assessment, the goal there is to just monitor the student's learning experience and keep in touch with where they are. The idea, hopefully, of formative assessment, if you're using it consistently, effectively, is that your students shouldn't be failing with, you know, without any, with a, with a surprise. Like nobody should be surprised by a failing grade if you're maybe staying in touch with some, some form of assessment. Summative assessment on the other side though, has that's, that's where you get your big grades. That's your midterm exam, your final exam. That's your weekly quizzes, your reading journals, um, your discussions, your projects, right? Those summative assessments have kind of a higher weight to them. They are specifically meant to evaluate where the students are at that point. So formative is to monitor, to keep track as we go, hopefully helping us find those things that they're weaker on sooner and support those you know, before they get to a summative exam. And then those summative ones are to really kind of do that full checkpoint like, hey, we're a quarter of the way in this semester, what do you know so far? So the formative and summative assessments, kind of just having those on the board, really helpful to kind of set the mind for a lot of the ed tech we look at, right? Mm -hmm. Some ed tech is like almost exclusively formative assessment. Uh, the one we're going to look at today does not have any graded element in it. You would have to grade it separately, right? So the one we're going to look at later is, is really um, primarily a formative tool. Formative, though, is, is not bound to just tools. Um, I bet you can think of a few, Josh, but like, you know, when a faculty member even just asks for you to raise your hand, that's 
Yeah. That's formative assessment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, if you have like, I've, I've actually worked with some faculty before who were struggling to know if their students are paying attention or if they're gathering things and where, you know, he, he would ask every time, do you guys get it? Do you guys understand? Is this making sense? Those kind of very blanket questions, you just get crickets. And so I was like, well, what if we come up with a system, you know, some, some, something that tells the students, this is how to communicate. Yeah. Right. And so while we never implemented it, the whole idea was just something as simple as like red and green cards, right? He asks a question, are we good? You raise a green card, he moves on, you raise a red card, he stops and he asks you what's going on, or, you know, like that, that kind of thing um, can really get that initial formative assessment stuff. Uh, and, and summative, I mean, we, are, we all know what those can be. We've all taken, we've all written papers, we've all taken exams. What? Uh, <laughs> no, I've never done that in my entire academic career. How did you get a master's degree? Yeah, it was. It's not a real one. No, I'm just joking. Um, How much did it cost you? <laughs> let's not talk about that. Find um, from a gumball machine? Yeah, no, no. Of course, I've written papers. Yeah, um, no. I mean, like, I think it's important to talk about. I think why you originally brought this topic up, right? Um, is like it's it is important to remember these, especially those two specifically. I know we like we have a little bit in here about like experiential stuff, um, which is like I I think of as like the new. Um, like cool brother um, of the summative informative. It's like, it's like, Ooh, I got experiential in there too. Um, but uh, like, I think it's just important to talk about this because we talk about, especially where I'm noticing the importance is just like, we have a lot of these conversations when it comes to like teaching in class and working on it. But now we've seen a lot of people go like hybrid and digital and uh, remote and even fully online. And I feel like when we go those directions, sometimes unless it's carefully thought through, the like the way that these two ideas work together are forgotten um and it's easy just to be like well here's your content for this week here's your reading here's the like four videos i recorded for you with my face down in the corner um and uh okay now you get a quiz and uh, a paper due at the end of the week you know or something right. along those lines very um, simple yeah very simple and it's like that structure sometimes forgets how formative and summative can go together um and uh you get a lot more like summative happening in the lms um but i think like formative is also a thing that could be easily done in there like to your point like it's uh even like your comment i think you made like uh like reading response or journal response i think some of that can be formative too where it's like the you know hey you know prompts that can get the student thinking like what wasn't clear in the reading this week or what was you know what was like a point that stood out to you you know things like that um that can get students talking um, so you can start to get like it's a low stakes type of assignment that can be done right. digitally. Um, and but you just need to provide a lot of feedback as the instructor, like engage with them. Um, we do this most often in areas of like discussion posts, like you could see that happen in a discussion post because then students can interact with each other then. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't just have to be that. I mean, if you're doing through Zoom or things like that, there's a ton of tools that you could use as well to like just prompt out a question and get student feedback at the same time and use that in that moment as a teaching tool um yeah but i think like formative it's just it's so important especially in the digital space and virtual space to like intentionally slow down and make sure the student's understanding things um because it can be really easy i think for a student to like read and look at a whole bunch of content and even sit in a zoom class or whatever a conference and um think they're doing great and then take a quiz at the end of the week and all of a sudden now it's like Hail clear it. that they have <laughs> no idea what they're doing yeah um and uh, that's why I think like it's so important 
um, to fit these things together, especially in a world where we've got digital and uh, online components now as a part of teaching. Well, and I, I also think like you're saying, like the, the and now moment, um, I don't think formative had um, a front row seat, frankly, almost until COVID. And it's not even that formative, the language got to, got to the front of the, the row, but like I've had so many faculty ask me, how do I know they're there? How do I get them That's engaged? Yeah. How do I get them to turn on their webcams? Like those three questions actually get to formative assessment because one of the first lines of defense in formative assessment for an instructor is seeing their student. Yeah. Right. And there's so many of uh, the instructors I've worked with who are just like bummed that they can't see students anymore. They can't see the, the body language. They can't see them raise their hand. They can't tell them to stop looking at the cell phone. Right. They just can't see them anymore. And so they've lost that formative step. That alone was a formative assessment for instructors. And now Zoom is taking the place. Like can we, I know many faculty who have set this expectation like we will use the Zoom reactions. You will give me a yes. You will give me a no. You will give me a thumbs up. If you don't do that, that's participation. That's a 10, you know, like they put that into their kind of learning experience to say, no, if you don't give me 10 thumbs up, you don't get 10 points for the week. It's not that road of a system. That's a yeah. summative system, right? But in a formative sense, like if you're not responding with reactions, when I call them out, I'm going to assume you're not there. And that's, that is again, feedback for the instructor to say, Hey, I'm teaching something and you're not getting it. You're not yeah. hearing it at all. If I don't know that you're there on the, the zoom line. Yeah. One of the like cool, uh, I think like we're not getting into a ton of different tool concepts here. We'll talk about this one maybe farther down the road in the podcast. But um, one of the things I think that is interesting you can do in a digital space that I was just thinking fits well into like a formative idea is um, like there's tools out there that give us the ability to uh, implant questions inside video and in content. And like, there's another good example of a way that you could do a formative, like low stakes, like, Hey, you're listening to this lecture. You're listening to something I've given, but I'm going to drop in some questions into the video. Um, yeah. and, uh, ask you to write some questions out and then you get some responses back from your students to see did what you say made make sense. Um, and if you guys are in an institution where you don't have a tool that can do that, where you drop questions in, it'd also be really easy to like insert your videos into like a digital quiz um, and have like open-ended questions uh, that they they respond to. Oh yeah, the um, easiest way to do that is is just like you said, like some folks really look to those tools and like, oh great, it's gonna pause the video and stop the student and make them answer the question before they can move on. That's great and all, but like you could literally just give them the 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 YouTube video at the top of the quiz and question one is at 30 seconds, I said, Hey, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And then next question at 45 seconds, I also say, what about, what do you, you know, like they're going to have to at least scrub to 30 seconds, yeah. at least scrub to 45 seconds to hear what you said to answer the question. Yeah, that's true. So they might not listen to the thing front start to finish, but if you put timestamps, like I say this, what do you think? They have to go listen to that timestamp to be able to respond. That's yeah. You just you just broke down an industry, man. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, now our institution has a tool that does that. Um, so uh, we use a video tool called Canvas Studio with Canvas because uh, we yeah. use that as an LMS. So that that works great. But I think like the point of that is um, what I find ironic out of your statement is that like people are bringing it more to the attention because they're trying to they can't see their students anymore. Uh, but the reality is like in a face to face class, if if we're not talking just the digital tools, uh, we do have to be careful. I think with this. With, um, formative that like just reactions from students doesn't mean you know what they think 
Yeah. Um, or that they understand what you're saying. And that's why I think it's, it's important to like, even like we talk about in a video, right? You add questions. Like to me, formative isn't just like, yes, there's some intentional cool ways that people have come up with it, like exit ticket, exit tickets or like entrance and exit tickets, which is basically if students come in and answer a few questions um, in the beginning and then, you know, let you know at the end how things are going. And, there, and there's a bunch of ways that that type of activity takes on or they do, you know, surveys in class or you know whatever it means but i think it can also just be like the simple of like hey i'm gonna like stop talking or stop this you know activity we're doing and we're gonna like group up and you're gonna maybe answer a question or two or um talk about what we just talked about you know like this practice of evaluating what you've been learning yeah um i think it's just important um, and I think it's coming to the forefront because people can't see students anymore. But the reality is they weren't knowing if students were doing well or not, either just by seeing them. Um, student can look super engaged. I was really great at that as a student of looking like I was engaged. And I always wasn't um, like or wasn't always engaged. Like I was like, man, I can't, especially those classes. Like, I'm sorry, whoever my professor was. But if your class was like right before lunch, there was a certain point that like I looked like I was engaged, but I was thinking about roast beef you know like i wasn't thinking about what you were saying um yep so it's important to do that type of stuff you need to like force students out to do that that type of thing and i think digitally and physically there's there's ways to do it um and then that when that's combined with then you know we don't only want to do formative low you know low stakes stuff when it's actually combined then with a uh you know project or a paper or a mm -hmm. test or exam before you you're hopefully getting a better idea along the way of how your students are understanding things and they're getting a better understanding of what you're looking for um like uh you don't want to i i always was frustrated with the teachers i had uh who did this which was basically like they actively went out of their way to hide what they were looking for um mm. before a test it's like what's what's the point you want them to learn um right. this isn't right. a this isn't a searching game um Right. You know, this isn't if, guess if, who. You, if it if and on the other side, if your assessments are searching games and you don't want to just give the students the answers, like maybe there's something else to look at. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if you can Google your assessment, is it really assessing something? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, you don't want to make your summative assessments like easy. You know, what I mean, you don't want to be those guys who throw out the, you know, quiz questions or things. It's like it's like um, what should you do if someone's choking, um, you know? help them or let them die you know like this there's a clear right answer um like you don't want to be that but at the same time like you you want to be helping your student actually learn the content the whole point of the summative ass assessment is that they yeah. know what they've been learning and you're you know putting it to the test um or you're having them apply it or you're having them go deeper or you're having a huge paper that they're you know synthesizing and working through the content that you've been doing and I think, Josh, that actually points us to something we were kind of considering in the research behind this episode is like, how do those then begin to fit together, this yeah. formative and summative approach? And I think that there's something to be said for like, literally, if, you, if you've never used formative assessments before, no formative experience, if you don't understand this or it's, it's tough for you, my first encouragement is take all of your summative experiences and make smaller versions with out points yeah. or with very little points. Like if you if you are a quizzer or an examiner and that's all you've done, make smaller quizzes that the students can take all the time and take them over and over and over again for zero points. That is formative assessment that fits with your existing assessment practice. 
if you're going to have them do a big final project where they write a paper, create a blog, make a website and something else, right? Um, give them smaller experiences of that throughout the semester with little or no points involved so that they can build the skills they need to perform that project at the end of the semester for all the points. You know, it's, it's this idea of give them a couple inches throughout the semester so that when it comes time for that big assessment, they'll be able to do it. I, I think that that's an easy way to integrate informative assessments into an existing curriculum. You don't, have to, you don't have to try anything new. You don't have to try anything different. Just take what you're already doing and make them lower stakes examples, you know? In other words, what you're saying, Will, is I, I wish there was a term for this, you know, like, you know, like scaffolding be a great term. Um, um, like we should, gosh, we should wait. We, don't tell them the secret. If <laughs> like we, we tell them the secret, we won't have should, jobs. We should take this to someone. Um, like we should patent that or write books about it. Um, you know, or have like cool little images of scaffolds next to what we're doing. Um, yeah, uh, crazy. No, like obviously we're joking. Like if you you're in education, um, you probably have heard the word scaffolding before. But I think that's a yeah. I mean, like the way these two things fit together well are. Um, exactly what you said like it's thinking through how you build up to the summative assessment and i have a lot of you know i hear instructors throw around the words of like this is you know hand holding for my students especially in our area in higher ed right the yeah. students should be above this by now and it's like no that's not how not not how this works like this is how people learn um well and the honest the honest response at the other side is like the student should be able your student isn't that's yeah. it. That's a fact. That's, like that's you, why you think they should be, but they're not. They're not. That's why they're so, in your class. Um, right. That's why they're there. Like they, they need to learn. Um, you know, uh, there are plenty of examples of the fact of like the best teachers I've had have been the ones who've done that. Right. They, your job is not to just bestow glorious information on them and the student receive it. And then just like communicate it back to you in beautiful summative assessments. If they didn't, they didn't take good enough notes or listen to you. Your job is to actually guide them along the process of it. And yes, that involves teaching. It involves sharing content, but it also involves um, being there to assess how they're doing along the way to make sure that they're coming along with you, right? Um, and that's not handholding. That is that in my mind is good teaching. That's bringing them along the way in the space. And that's why I think these yeah. two things fit so well together. I think I, I just I want to capture two thoughts on that. Um, we should probably start moving on. But what you're pointing to, Josh, is the idea that's a theory called tabula rasa and it means blank slate. Um, it's actually a, an educational psychology theory. It's a psychology theory as well that like it's, it's almost assuming that the people coming to you are a blank slate, that they have nothing in them and they don't know any content knowledge. They don't have any skills knowledge. So when you receive this person, you're going to impart the glorious knowledge to them <laughs> and they shall become a written slate, right? That's, I don't think that's ever true. I mean, maybe a baby firstborn has tabula rasa, right? But even there's nurturing an environment that starts to impact that immediately the second they're born. So we know in communications, right? And speech speech classes and everything across the board that like the message you're communicating, there's a responsibility shared between me and them. And so if they're not tabula rasa, if they're not blank slate, then we have to know that that audience has something, whether it's pre-existing knowledge about our subject or they're hungry that day or tired, right? Whatever it is that's going on in them is a part of our experience with them. We can't get rid of that background. 
we have to accept that they are human. That's going to be a part of the experience and we'll work them through that. And that's where the formative is so important because sometimes that background stuff is anxiety over tests, yeah. is depression because a family member is ill right now. And so when we hit them with like a midterm that's worth 40% of the grade, a final that's worth 40% of the grade and 10% for participation, that's, you know, it does, it's easy for folks who are not that maybe fully emotionally or physically present in their learning process for whatever reason to fail that course, even though maybe with the perfect environment, they have the mental capacity to pass the course, right? So that's where I think some of this, this formative and summative stuff becomes kind of a, a socio-educational socio thing. Like we got to be aware of our students and aware of our audience to help them kind of come yeah. through the process and, and get through it healthily. Yeah. Well, and I also think it's like, yeah, we need to get moving on to our next topic, but I think it's also the reality of like, because as this comes off, we were joking a little bit, right guys, before the podcast that like, obviously Will's degrees are more involved in education. Um, and so, and me being in education with not a degree specifically from education, I have to experience this all the time where it's like, oh, there's a theory for the thing I'm saying. That's cool. Um, like, and, uh, but uh, to the, to the point, I also think it's just like a human thing, right? Like there is, um, I too often see in teachers and communicators and a lot of things where we assume what we are saying is clear. And if they don't understand us, it's their problem. And yeah. that's not reality. Like look around the world. Okay. And tell me that that's how the world works because that's I don't know not if you've heard into my look, family Thanksgiving dinner yeah. table, but <laughs> like the, we all can misinterpret each other very easily. I think a lot of our arguments in the world getting out and beyond ed tech, right. Um, can be traced back to, we don't want to understand the motivations of the other person around or across the table. But the, the whole point of this being in the communication piece and the teaching is that, um, it's not always that your student doesn't care. Sometimes it's that your student just genuinely doesn't understand what you're saying. And so I think why the formative needs to be a part of this is just that is your effort as a teacher to make sure that what you are saying is clear um, to the student and that they're understanding it. At least that's well, in my opinion, when I look at it coming in from not an education background, but from more of a kind of communicating background, um, that yeah. to me is where that really grabbed me. So like, that's the job of trying to make sure that what you're saying, your student is learning it and understanding what you're saying or what you're teaching and processing it. And also, you know, getting them to process what you're saying at a deeper level. Uh, all this formative and some of this stuff, great information, it frankly um, can leave me with a lot of questions. And when you have questions, Ooh. It's, it's really good to find an answer. Much oh, like there it is. our app of the day, answergarden.ch. Transition. <laughs> Nailed the transition. You've been you've been looking for a way to get us over because Will's watching time. He knows. Stuck we're, the landing. We're pushing over it. <laughs> I'm doing my gymnast bow right yeah, now. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was a solid yeah. transition. I'm glad I ruined it by bringing it to attention. That was a solid oh, no. transition. <laughs> no, we're all about the fourth wall here, okay? I love it. So Answer Garden, Answer Garden is a wonderful formative assessment tool because, like I said before at the beginning of class, at the beginning of class, well, welcome everyone to our lecture today. <laughs> this is class time, and if you'll take your seat in the back, um, it does not have any grading features. It does not give points. Answer Garden is actually also really great for like presentations. It's great for you can use it for trivia with family and friends if you want. Answer Garden is very simple. 
you log in. Actually, you don't even need to log in, but you can no. if you want to save yours. Um, you go to their site, answergarden.ch, C as in Charlie, H as in hotel. And you put in your topic. What is the meaning to life? Uh, what is your favorite fruit? What is, you, you write your question. You want to make sure that it's more generic uh, so that you can get kind of a one or, or small phrase based answer. And then you can put that question up. You can link the students to it. You can embed it in your PowerPoints and stuff. There's lots of ways to get fun with it. But when your students begin to answer the question, it, it auto-generates a word cloud. So instead of you preparing a word cloud and bringing that to the students, or instead of you sourcing all their information and then trying to copy and paste it over to a word, word cloud generator, Answer Garden makes it on the spot. And so as one student, let's go back to the fruit example. I'll be able to answer this one, unlike the apple example from a couple of uh, episodes ago. Hmm. With fruit, you might say, what's your favorite fruit? And so the answer comes up, apple. That's the first one on the page, and it gets pretty big. It's the first and only response. But someone immediately says banana, orange, uh, tangerine, kiwi, lemon, lime, right? You start seeing all these fruits come up, and the ones that are said more often get bigger. Right, that's a word cloud yeah. idea, and the ones that are said less often get smaller. And and by the end of this example, if you got thirty students, fifty students, hundred students, you've got a pretty cool, you know, uh, a word cloud example. Well, one off. That's that's just formative. How are you feeling today? That's a that's a great way to open class. Here's an answer garden. How are you feeling today? Students say good, bad, indifferent, depressed, anxious, excited, happy, helpful, and so you've got a just a kind of a word cloud spattering of how your students are feeling. Then you get into class, you start your lecture and you throw up another answer garden. What are you feeling so far about the topic for the day? And you get those kind of responses back in. And by the end of the class, you might ask again, how are you feeling after we've gone through class? The students might be able to give you that. This is, this is how you would use formative. It's something that shouldn't take too long. You just need to have that link up and available to students. Canvas, PowerPoint, however you Zoom, you can just drop it in Zoom chats. But you get that immediate feedback, and it's just low stakes. There's no requirements on the students' behalf, and it, it's it's just easy. Like some of the apps we get to talk about take us a long time to get into them in detail yeah. because of how many features or competitors. Like I don't know anything like Answer Garden besides you going and making the word cloud yourself. Yeah, yeah. I this is the first. So like I, for context, guys, like this is not a tool that I really had any experience with before we decided to do the podcast. Well, it was just like, hey heard of answer garden and he threw in like a link and i was like that doesn't look like a real thing um <laughs> and uh but i clicked on it right and uh and i think it's really cool like it's a, it's an easy tool um it's uh like you said like i just went in real quick i threw in a question um and hit create and it gave me a link with a page and i started typing in answers because i don't have students at the moment that i was doing it um and so i was like i'm my student so i just typed in a whole bunch of answers um, and you're right, like the more people respond towards certain things, it, it highlights um, that that word or phrase uh, bigger in a word cloud, um, which I think is just, uh, yeah, I, it, like I, I think it's a great tool for like you're talking about, Will, just like um, easy kind of question, you want response, you want to get a feel for uh, how your students are feeling, uh, even like if you're trying to get them to think through, I think like a topic or something you've worked through, like asking them 
a not how you're feeling but actually a question about the content that you've been working on like and having right. like single word answers uh response back i did see you can type in phrases and stuff it gets a little bit more confusing when you're doing phrases with a word cloud word clouds weren't really meant for whole sentences um right. at least because everybody have to write the same pa- yeah, phrase to write the whole pair the same paraphrase um but uh like i think it could be a really cool tool to do that with just like a really easy kind of drop in to get students responses and get like a feel for who's answering more things so like for instance if you're answering you know ask a question you know who uh felt there was something confusing today in class that we were talking about right um like or you know were you confused because if you asked who they'd have to write their name that was a stupid question um so let's <laughs> suddenly the word cloud just says all of their different names. <laughs> all of their names they're all the um, same size they're all the same size uh no so um you know, were you confused about something today or are you good, you know, or something like that. And they could easily type in confused or good. You're going to get a cool kind of response where like, if most of the class is confused, you're going to see a lot of, you know, confused is going to be bigger. Um, Now that's like a very simplistic way to handle it. I think like there's some cool other ways you could deal with that. Um, Well, even as you're talking, like one came to mind, I could see it almost being like a pseudo scavenger hunt. So maybe you leave the answer garden open for the entire class and the question is, what theories or what theorists, what, his, what, what historical figures, maybe you're going to talk about 20 years worth of, of subject material in this class today. You have the students track as you go. Who do I mention? So as you say, Teddy Roosevelt, they should be writing in Teddy Roosevelt's name. As you mentioned, T- William Taft, they throw in William Taft's name. As you mentioned, Abraham Lincoln, they, so that by the end of class, you almost have this world cloud of all the people you talked about throughout the whole whole session and it's also like who is listening how so in theory how you would do that activity is everyone should be doing it so you have 25 students in class and you know you're going to talk about 15 people by the end of the word cloud you should see 15 names with 25 submissions yeah but if you see 14 names that means everybody missed one or you didn't get to it or if you see, you know, all 15 names, but each name is only in there 20 or 22 times, well, that means five, three, three to five people were not paying attention or missed a couple of them, right? So that could be a really cool way to be like, hey, I'm going to talk about a bunch of things today. And I'm actually thinking of some faculty where I've been in like maybe like their first day of class or the second day of class where it's like, hey, our class is built on these theorists. We, you need to know this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, right? And so they'll just hammer that for the whole class. That'd be a cool activity. Stay in the answer garden, stay on top of it, track it. And you'll know, you know, again, for formative sake, you're not trying to track down the three people that didn't do it. It's not about that. It's about the 22 people that did do it and giving them practice and, and getting a sense for how many folks are staying with you. Yeah. Because if it was, if it was 25 students and only 12 were doing the work, you have a big question there. What are 13 of your students doing while you're talking? Yeah. Right. That's to raise that point earlier about those assumptions we're talking about. Like, we need to not assume that they're paying attention, but they're there. We have to, I hate to say it, we have to make them be there. We have to make them interact. Yeah. I like, and just like another idea, just toss around ideas of how this could work. Another, uh, while you were talking, I think another idea that could be really cool is, um, you know, let's, let's say we do it this way, right? You're talking about a lot of different topics. I don't, um, you know, certain type of philosophy or um you know you talk about certain part in history right or um certain theology or whatever it may be right um and uh you end the class with you know a little bit of time give an answer garden say you know what what topic that we covered 
confused you the most? Like just like just a single topic word, right? Because like let's just say you're covering a lot of different things, but yeah. let's say you're co- covering a couple of different kinds of philosophy topics, right? Or you're covering um, different ways of writing, right? And so you've got some major themes that you're covering. Like which yeah. which themes confused you the most, um, or even like the one theme that did? And how Answer Garden could be really cool is that students start responding, right? You got 15 different students in this class; they all respond. If you see a, a word cloud that's pretty even, okay, well then everybody sort of has their own little thing they're confused about. So we maybe need to deal with it. But if you know you're writing and you're seeing something. Uh, you know, giant word coming up about, you know, I, I don't know, um, Descartes. Uh, you're talking about, philosophy. I'm not a philosophy kick right now. I don't know why. There you, go. Um, you know, um, or, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, you're, you're talking about people who write, you know, and your um, C.S. Lewis comes out, right? Um, whatever it may be, like you see a giant couple topics pop up, then you know, the majority of the class is confused about these three topics. Right. Uh, which can drive further conversation at the end of class or can even drive the next class period to say, okay, maybe I need to, you know, pivot a little bit and focus in on this area next time or ask questions next time about this area. You know, what, how were you confused? What confused you, you know, um, and dig a little bit deeper into that, but it could easily for immediately for you get a visual and even a visual to the class to know like, Hey, also, most of you are confused about these two things, you know, you know what I mean? You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone. Um, and we'll cover this more, you know, as opposed to if you didn't have answer garden and you just asked that question in class, um, like, yeah, you get a bunch of responses, maybe on paper, you take them and there's ways to do this, right? You go back and you look at all the answers, uh, but answer garden is like an immediate feedback thing um, where yeah. you immediately see as the students are putting in visually what kind of information is coming in. And there's two things that we've been skirting around here that I, 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 I wish we would have got remembered sooner. But like one of the things that I want to uh, just say quickly is that if you've got these answer guards, you've got that big, awesome word cloud at the end, save it. You can, you can export yeah. that as a picture and use that as a learning artifact. So you can bring it up in your PowerPoint at the next class. So like Josh is saying there, if you said, what are the biggest issues you had today? And you only had two things come up on the word cloud. Well, that's your word cloud. And that's going into the next class's yeah. PowerPoint. But on the other side, something we've been assuming here, and, and I wish we would have gotten to it sooner, forgive us, is that what do you do? Once you've done uh, this formative assessment, what do you do? And, and here is we're just reflecting on one thing you should do, like take that information you're getting from the students. What are you confused about? These top three things? Okay. In the next class, address them. Or we're in the digital world today. Put up a quick 15-minute lecture video to supplement those three topics or go find some scholarly journals or you know somebody else who's written on it and provide those as resources to the students. Um, the other side of it, this is, I think, always fun. Uh, you get some sort of theme out of the answer garden showing you that they're not as comfortable with a specific topic. Assign that topic as a project for them to go out and research. Let them fill in their gaps. They, you know, if, if they're not comfortable with it, or if they don't understand it, that might be debilitating. It might be too much, right? If it's some complex concept about chemistry, for instance, they might not be ready to understand that. But if it's like, you keep mentioning this guy, Descartes, I don't even know how to spell Descartes. What do I need? It's like, here's his name and go hit the Wikipedia. That's all you need to do, right? But next class, be prepared to report back on what you've learned about Descartes. Yeah. Or even like, like taking it into like an online format or like a hybrid format, 
uh, type of situation. Like, it'd be cool to throw this up because uh, you, like Will and I said, right? Like, you can put this up. You could also share the link. Like, this can be a thing. You could set inside Answer Garden how long the thing is active to people. Um, and so you could post this somewhere, uh, have students kind of give their feedback, and then follow up with, like, a lot of your learning management systems that you're using um, have some kind of like announcement feature or some type of feature where you can message the students follow up like and even in the next week or the end of the week say hey guys I saw you know seems like these two three topics are really confusing everybody like here's some more information on it here's where in the reading this week they they focus in on this right like they focus in on this topic they you know we're reading about Descartes next week so you'll get more information um they, I apologize in Descartes there. <laughs> has now become our theme for answer garden um so like but like you could you could follow up that way and I think like this is a, again you're actively getting from your students where either confusion is where they stand in the learning that has been going through and then you're trying to help guide them towards answers or towards um, more information or trying to course correct um for the students um and whether that's in class you know where you're ending the class and you're coming back to a next classroom or you're in an online environment and that means you're following up with an announcement or you're following up with some type of communication um a short video pointing to the reading it's amazing how um much difference in an online environment just an instructor saying hey page 300 to 350 this week talks about this topic that you guys are really struggling with um, or go back and read this or hey here's this article that might let you guys dig deeper into this um, yeah. or here's you know short five minute video uh, that I made just real quick for you guys about uh, the topics that we've been talking about this week that seem to be creating confusion you know right, right. Um, and, and you can follow up too because I think one of the limits of answer garden too is you can't get too complicated like you you're getting the topics from them so you may want to follow up with hey I saw you guys are you know, struggling with this here's some more information but those of you guys who you know put this in what are, what are you struggling with maybe the next class that's actually getting a little bit more specific like um what was confusing to you about descartes yeah. um what what weren't you sure maybe even group them up and have them discuss it a little bit at the beginning of class and um come back or great idea have them do this descartes comes up because i can't come up with any other themes today um about the issue and you end the class and say okay you seem a little confused about descartes um write down what that that confusion was you know um hand it to me or um try to find an answer in the reading here's where descartes talks about more try to find an answer in next class we're going to come back together in the beginning and i'm going to have you guys group up and share with what you discovered over the last week um you know something like that um that could be done. There's a lot of different ways I think you could leverage the information then to be a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that altogether, um, it's good to have an understanding of these formative and summative concepts, but then, you know, keep the toolbox full, you know, keep another arrow in your quiver. Answer Garden's a great one. It's free. It's easy to use. Uh, I've already known it to be up for, you know, one of the things Josh and I always think about is like longevity. I've been using it since 2014 or 2015, right? So we've got a good couple of six, seven years of use out of this tool. It's been free the entire time. So there's, I don't think there's a concern about it going away tomorrow. Um, and at worst case, if you lost Answer Garden, you can go back to the Word Cloud. Of the, you can use a Google Doc. You can use email. You can use Canvas quizzes, whatever you got. Uh, you can kind of get the same information from the students. The big novelty of Answer Garden is it allows you to moderate. 
It gives you some time frames. It keeps the responses short and it generates the word cloud. That's that's the novelty of this specific tool. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely other, um, if you're nervous about trying this tool because this may go away, I think it's going to be here for hopefully a while. Uh, it, like Will said, it's been around for a while. It's also, from what Will and I know about technology, it's not a complicated website to keep running. So I'm not sure they're even spending money on making sure that this thing stays running. They just have it there um, and are keeping it up to date. Um, but uh, the I think the... <laughs> The general feel. Um, we'll see if that pops through in the recording. Oh, um, yeah, it, did. Yeah, oh, it yeah. definitely did. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is there's other alternatives to doing this, right? Um, you could easily uh, create Google Doc or Word Doc, you know, Word Doc that they type stuff into, and there's other word cloud generators that you could take what they give you and put it in there and get your word cloud. It's just, I think Edge Garden does a good job of just uh, simplifying it. Being nice uh, and easy. Yeah, being nice and easy. All right, that's this week's conversation. We appreciate you listening with us. We are going to wrap up here in just a second as we close out this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us again for another episode of High Tech Podcast. This has been Josh and Will, as always, bringing you Tom Foolery and shenanigans. Uh, We hope you'll Join with us next time for another episode as we look at how we can harness technology in the physical and digital classroom. We're always begging the question and hopefully providing you some answers. Thank you and see you next time. See ya.